Hello and welcome to the Coast to Coast College Admissions Podcast. Each week, we talk about different college admissions topics and answer those tough questions you may be dealing with concerning getting into the college of your choice. We know how difficult this process can be, so each week, we try and make it easier to navigate. Now, here's your host, Anna Wren and Mark Hoffer. Welcome to Coast to Coast College Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hofer, with... Anna Wren. And today we're going to be talking about another timely subject in college application and admissions, stress. Well, or more specifically, how to reduce stress in school and especially stress associated with uh, college and transition to college life and, and high school and how to prepare for that transition and all of that. Are you ready for this, Anna? I am. I am so ready for this. And, you know, I think we have to tell people why we're doing this because we usually we're like pretty lighthearted, I think, in our topic. I agree. You know, most of the time we're talking about grilled cheese sandwiches, unicorns and, you know, where the best (laughs) ice cream can be found. And, And this topic is actually one of those ones I think by nature, it's not something people like to talk about. And I think that is probably why it's such a dangerous and such an applicable subject to talk about. And um, it's basically, we know that as students are uh, working hard and diligently in high school, there are different stressors on today's students in high school and in college. And I think one of the things that we're hearing from counselors is that the increase in stress and anxiety and depression is is actually increasing at at an alarming rate. And a lot of counselors in high school that I've talked to, and it's increasing in in college as well, is they're talking that more and more students, more than they've ever seen previous in their career, are coming in with these these very serious issues of anxiety and depression. And we're seeing this in the suicide rates that um, in young people and when they go to college. And I think this is scaring a lot of the people who are uh, serving as counselors and, and, and first order approach to those students who they serve. You're absolutely right. And I think we're doing this because we do see this um, getting more attention in the media. But like you said, we're also seeing it in our day-to-day lives as counselors as well and working with students. And we, Mark and I, really believe in how, having students have a as much of a happy, healthy college admissions journey as possible. So yes. that's why we're having this conversation today. Absolutely. And I think um, it's, it's interesting when, when we first started talking about this as a possible subject, I wanted to see, because we do hear about counselors and we hear in the media that there is an increase. And I wanted to see if I could identify really what, is, what are some of the numbers? What are the statistics? And a lot of the statistics that I found are very similar to what uh, you know, college and high school counselors are talking about what's coming into their office and the increases that they've seen. And, and most of the increase is strangely since about 2007. They're, they're reporting that now, currently, about 40% of the students, when asked, are talking about you know, depress, depression to a point at which that they're having a hard time functioning in school. And 60% are, are reporting feelings of overwhelming anxiety. And I think you know, those are the kind of numbers that if, if that large of the population, that many of the population are experiencing it, that's something we really need to, to um, basically take on awareness of. 
No, you're definitely right. And it's interesting that you mentioned 2007 because that's the year I graduated college, uh, <laughs> dating myself here. But it's also interesting because I, I believe I'm the same year as Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook. And so I do believe that, you know, I've read different articles and, you know, kids are facing different pressures and it now extends beyond school, right? Because social media can bring bullying home too. Well, and that's, that's one of the things I think, and we've talked about this previously. And when there's a disconnect between parents and the actual reality that their kids um, experience, um, you know, when we went to, went to college, it was a different situation and there wasn't necessarily social media of the type that students are experiencing. And I think a lot of those same type of daily consistent and ongoing pressures that are associated with some of the things that weren't even an issue when we were in college are things that parents aren't aware of their students going through and actually maybe haven't prepared their students to um, basically deal with when they get there. No, that's a great point. And I think as important as, as it is to prepare academically for college and for life, I think high school is that time to also help students develop the skills they need to function independently. And that I would say is both mental, emotional, physical, everything, right, Mark? Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things I just wrote uh, a piece on basically a checklist for parents. And are these things that you have prepared your child before they head off to college? Have you prepared your child with these skills and these tools in order to deal with the world that they're going to face in college? And some of them are, are just the, the basic social graces, much as like learning to say thank you and please and, and opening doors and all of those things. But it's also, like you say, it, it crosses over into the things of can you take care of yourself physically, mentally, and and, and those very important issues that are going to be needed and addressed when they get to college. No, you're absolutely right. So what would you say is like in terms of this epidemic that's happening? Because it kind of is in terms of the stress and um, anxiety around education. What do you think or why do you think it's culminating now? Well, I think a lot of the things and and you have to kind of tease out what has been sensationalized and is propaganda. Of course, social media is always the, the whipping post. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. wants to jump on that because it is so pervasive and, and so much a part of our, our daily lives now. And yes, those are possibly um, some of the issues that, that drive some of the um, anxiety and the, and the pressures that students feel. However, um, some of them are, are actually things having to deal with academics, changes in the academic um, platform that, that's uh -huh. based in college, and also some of the anxiety that goes around with the increased costs of colleges. That's true. And I would say in terms of that, like one of the things I feel like that's different nowadays is this competition of how many, for example, AP classes can you take? And I was actually really excited to hear uh, that there was a some schools that are actually dropping APs because you know it's really it's almost like the cool club I don't know if you've heard of heard that from your students but I have students who've told me kind of like the cool kids are an AP so even if you're not ready to be an AP some kids will um, force the hand 
and join uh, and choose to take on classes that they're not quite ready for. And then I think that can trigger a lot um, when they're struggling through those classes. Absolutely. And I, I, I hear the same thing. It's, it's basically what are the pressures to take AP courses or advanced courses and if you're ready for them or not. And I think it's kind of a two-sided issue in that we hear from colleges, students should take the highest and most rigorous classes available to them at the school. And yet we also know that when you overload a student, if they're so burned out by the time that they're finished with high school, um, we know we, we have the numbers to support that it's a critically, uh, it's, it's a way of really setting a student up for uh, not having the success that they normally would in college because they're so stressed out. And I think that's one of the things, identifying which, which coursework is uh, the best for a student. And also, like you said, to, to make sure that they're ha happy and healthy as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think between keeping up with like AP classes, like I'll have students that come in and they'll be up till 2 a.m. working on, you know, being in every activity possible. And um, on top of that, juggling all their honors or AP classes. And we have this conversation where it's just like, yes, I know college admissions is asking for you to be, you know, again, take the most active classes you can and you know you feel like you need to fill those 10 spaces on the common app for activities but let's talk about how productive this is because when you're staying up till 2 2 a.m to do the work your brain is not functioning as efficiently the next day in the classroom and then I feel like it becomes a cycle and I feel like it's on us and counselors and parents also because sometimes even it's not us giving them these pressures but they themselves right so to kind of keep them in chat. I don't know if you've found yourself doing this, but now I've, I've, it's almost become one of my, my go-to questions when students talk about their extracurriculars or their classwork in, in general, especially extracurriculars. They'll you know, name off the laundry list of things that they're doing that is taking up a huge amount of time. And I'll ask them, but do you like it? And you know, for probably 70% of it, not necessarily, but they're following, like you said, the pressures of, of what they think their parents are saying and what they think their peers are, are telling them to do and what they think they need for college. And that's to overload and just, you know, go, 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 go. And I think we're, we're now, like for the subject we're talking about with depression and, and anxiety, we're seeing the, 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 the obvious correlation to uh, some of those things that we've been urging students to do. Yes, and I think also the idea that we know this expression, keeping up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if the younger generation does, but the idea of whether it's the parents comparing their kids to other people's kids or the kids themselves comparing themselves to other kids, you know, I think that does um, uh, elicit unhealthy, you know, um, mental states potentially because sometimes it can be a self-esteem um you know i guess detriment it can it can hurt their self-esteem or how they feel about themselves when they're not able to keep up with everything absolutely i think that's what we're hearing from a lot of students i know the ones that i work with they talk about kind of this this artificial reality that they've created of putting themselves under this spotlight that basically isn't real. Uh, it's something they created that um, 
motivates them to do things that I don't think they naturally would if they were just basically focusing on, on what they were necessarily interested in and what they wanted to do. And, and I think that's the danger that we have is we don't teach our kids um, basically to reflect on really the, what is most important and um, making the choices that, that actually set them up for success. No, that's absolutely true. And so I guess what would you say in terms of what is this new norm and what do we do about it? Or what can we do about it? Right. I mean, this new norm that we're experiencing with, with what we're hearing from counselors and, and I think what we hear also from our students is that um, with this, this, heavy, um, this heavy dose of social media that students hear, and we don't know what kind of construct that they have to actually deal with it. So they basically are trying to make sense of it and they don't know which pieces are most important. So, and the, the reason why is because they don't have the tools to identify a what's true or not, what the resource, where it's coming from, can it be trusted? How, how and what does it mean to me? And what does it mean to my future? And I think those critical analysis tools, those uh, being able to identify um, what's really important and which are the most trustworthy is, is step one for most students. Absolutely. And I would say in terms of what can we do to decrease depression and anxiety, I think it's a group effort in terms of um, the counselors on the high school side, um, counselors in college, if, you know, because obviously, like you said, there's depression and anxiety in college too. And then parents and admissions. Um, and I do know, for example, that um, MIT, for example, limits the amount of activities you can put. And I hope that it's because they're trying to show you you don't have to do everything under the sun to be qualified for college. Yeah, I think there are more, more colleges that are actually limiting that, the number of spaces that, uh, <laughs> that they're actually going to look at at all and letting students know that it's not important necessarily how many you've done, but how many are you excited about and how many are you committed to? Because they know in tracking student success in college, they know that those students who in high school have identified things that they're passionate about, show up for consistency, and basically are committed to, they know those are the characteristics that translate into a, a student who's going to be successful and happy and graduate on time. Um, so they're, they're no longer you know, into that laundry list of activities and, and whatnot. Correct. And I think there is more emphasis, like, for example, you, Chicago, uh, you and I had discussed, just went test optional. Yep. And um, there is more emphasis being placed on other areas, which focus, I think, more on the character of the student versus just um, other areas like tests, which, you know, if you're a bad test taker, or you don't have access to um, uh, standardized test prep, um, you might be at a disadvantage. So I think, I think slowly we'll see colleges hopefully start to change in terms of what they're looking for to also bring about healthy, happy, um, intellectually curious students. Absolutely, and I think colleges are facing some of the same things that we're seeing in the high school population, and that is an overly stressed, depressed, anxiety-ridden group of students, and they are facing some of the same suicide rates, uh, and increasingly so because of the, the increased 
um, number of suicides in that particular age group that are in college. So they know this is a really um, important issue. And I think you're right. I think they're looking at what are those character traits as opposed to what are those um, numerical metrics uh, that they're using to identify students who are going to be happy and successful. And I True. think that's a big, big part of this. I think we're watching a pendulum swing now. Yes. Uh, so what advice could we give in terms of what should students be doing on the high school or college side or parents or anyone to kind of help manage or find help? You bet. I, you know, um, as a psychologist and working with students, my whole goal is much like you mentioned initially, and that's a happy and successful person. And I, and I think one of the things that we're losing sight of, and, and this runs, uh, you know, it, it could be taken as, um, as an attack on social media, but it does seem to correlate with a lot of what we're seeing. And that's less human contact and more contact um, virtually. Mm-hmm. And we do know as human beings that um, that human contact is an important part of our health and well-being, and both psychologically and physically. So um, one of the first things that counselors talk about is, you know, put away the phone, put away the screen, and actually talk to somebody as the first line of building basically a social support network. It's basically your friends and, or friends and family, as it were. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think that's one thing that counselors are, are really encouraging students, both in high school and in college, is to make sure that you're building, you know, deep and long-lasting relationships with individuals as opposed to screens. No, I think that's a great point. And what I would say is, you know, keeping that conversation going. And I know, I mean, I meet all kinds of families. And I would say, no, sometimes it can be hard for teens to talk to their parents or feel like they have someone to talk to. And so what I often say is, even if it's not your parents that you want to talk to, um, it could be a friend. It could be a trusted teacher at school. This is the opposite of what you said, but now there's even an app for counseling. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Something. Exactly. Yeah, Talkspace, um, where there's licensed uh, counselors. So I think the important thing is, you know, there you're not, I think it's important to know you're not alone and, you know, keep that conversation going and, you know, finding an outlet for whatever is on your mind or troubling you. And I don't, and I know everyone, it seems like everyone's so busy these days, right? But I think everyone has time to talk. Oh, for sure. And that's one of the things I think people crave that conversation and it's becoming more a reality for teens who um, are digital natives. Basically they've grown up with screens and they've, you know, grown up using virtual connections and, and communication. And one of the things I'm hearing uh, from, you know, 17-year-olds are the need to actually talk to people because they are very well aware. They're not, you know, they, they are very smart people who are aware that they don't have critical communication skills that are needed not only in college but in life. And mm-hmm. so they're almost feeling like they've been dealt, you know, a hand of cards that may, maybe they wish they hadn't. And that they wish people had pushed them into talking more as opposed to, um, you know, spending more time on, on the phone. 
That's a great point. Actually, your study about, you know, needing physical interaction reminded me of something I learned, I think, in psych class with babies and how they um, recover faster preemies or something with human touch. And I think it's just, you know, despite like the virtual checkouts and everything these days, you know, it is important to stay engaged. And I hear this from my students that, oh, they spend time with their friends, but everything is around academics or related to something on their resume. And I said, you know, spend time with your friends, just being friends, (laughs) go do stuff like teens should do, you know, in terms of have a life, you know, Um, not every waking moment has to be spent around building your college profile um, for some of those uber competitive kids out there. And I would say you're going to develop, I think those are the types of interactions, subconsciously, believe it or not, those are the types of interactions I think foster ideas in terms of um, developing your character, your personality that believe it or not will come into play in college admissions in your essay or in your letters of rap or something like that. But most importantly, it's a way to keep yourself balanced in terms of being supported in other ways. Oh, for sure. I, I, uh, I spoke with a group of juniors um, uh, about a week and a half ago. And one of the things in the middle of telling them, you know, um, I've had students who have told me that they've turned off their so some um, some components of their social media because they had realized how much of a time suck that they were. Mm. And um, I said, you know, you're you're not going to get a good essay topic about your life and who you are and your character from basically from social media. And then I said, actually, if you were to turn off your social media and say how much you learned about yourself or the challenges that you faced when you did that psychologically and emotionally. I said, that would actually be a great essay topic. Uh I saw a couple of people scribbling down, so I think. Wow, that is. I don't know. But I think just even time to quiet your mind and reflect is important for kids these days, whether in high school or in college. Yeah, and I think that's some of the things that I – know that counselors, you know, if you, if you write down a list of the things that, that uh, students might want to consider attempting or trying at least, um, that will basically are, they're, they're designed <laughs> for uh, reducing your stress and, and actually increasing your communication skills. I mean, things as simple as, you know, be brave and strike up a conversation with a, with a stranger. And, you know, learn how to introduce yourself and and establish empathy and building a relationship with other people face to face. And if you get practice doing that in high school, it becomes so much easier when you're building your support system when you're in college. Absolutely. So what should, I guess, questions should families be asking as they look at schools to make sure that there are support services? You know, that's one of the things that I, in, in doing this, uh, for in, in you know thinking about this episode when we were starting to talk about you know what are some of the things that we think students should know, and I hadn't realized you know when you go on a college tour if you know that you're going to be faced with some of these stressors, and you know that this is the norm for the population in college, um, why not identify if a college is actually taking this seriously, and have they put things in order so that if you need those services, um, what is available to you as a student? And I think some of the things that you can ask on a tour of the, you know, admissions office and representatives, 
ask them, you know, what are the, the services that are available for students who are, you know, currently experiencing anxiety or depression? And what form can you find them? That's a really good one. I think my only concern would be like, I feel like sometimes students are scared that if they ask that question or if their parents ask that question, then people will think they're nuts or that there's something wrong with them. And I would preface that by saying, you know, if you don't feel comfortable asking in the big group, you can feel free to ask your tour guide or admissions privately afterwards, too. Absolutely. And that's that, that's one of the things I, I always have to remember. Usually when I talk with admissions reps, I, I try to, you know, I try to have a conversation with them one on one. But I, I realize, you know, much like you said, you it, maybe there are certain questions you're not going to ask in, in a larger group. But for sure, these are things that, you know, you, you, you want to find out if those services are available and whether the college has already put in place things to help support students. No, that's great. And I know, I hope more and more colleges are doing this, but I know like recently my alma mater now has a meditation room. And I was like, that's awesome. You know, I'm glad someone donated money to get that established. But I think it's just a change of the evolving times and recognizing that, you know, students need a safety net in college, in high school even too. Because I know um, one of my students had said that was one thing she would change about her high school is how they dealt with stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny you meant, you mentioned the meditation room. One of the things, I, I, I stay in touch with, with students through college and, and later into their careers, and one of the things that is really interesting is the number of students who are telling me that they are learning to meditate. And not, you know, the word itself has all these images and, and preconceptions, but basically they're talking about sitting down, calming your breath, and reflecting. And I was just visiting some students at Stanford, and Stanford has a brand new meditation room, like you mentioned. It is absolutely gorgeous. And as soon as you walk in, they've done such a good job. It's basically, you immediately become centered, quiet, and still. And, uh, and, and students are, are obviously participating and they're, they're, uh, they're acknowledging the fact of, of how much they appreciate the, the school's ability to um, actually make that available. That's a great point. And I would say um, also having other services too, like, you know, if, if, if there are actually counseling services and the, the availability of that is also important for students. You bet. I mean, having counseling available and also the kind and uh, kind of counseling and, and also what kind of um, follow-ups there are. That's one of the things. Mm. If you, if you are a counselor and you, you are overwhelmed with the number of students you see and can't touch back with, uh, you know, finding out how the student is doing, and um, that's one of the other parts, I think, that is a very valid question, um, asking uh, a university representative, what are some of the feedback loops and the cycles that uh, help complete that loop and check in on students after they've they've made uh, a point to reach out and uh, contact a counselor. That's a great point. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, to, to, to have that follow up and to close that loop. Yeah. And I think counselors, they, they uh, very much like to, and they very much are trained to do that, but um, whether it's, it's actually, you know, so if it's available to them as a, as a time reality, um, can mm -hmm. they 
have the time to do that. That can be uh, a very different thing. And I think another thing that, you know, we should talk about is it's, I don't know about you, but I always feel like I hear from students the first three months to first semester are the hardest. Yep. Um, and I think that's when we talked before and you had mentioned building a family. So what advice can we give on in terms of how to build that family? Exactly. How, how many students do we talk to? You know, we do the check-in. They're in college and we ask them, you know, hey, what are some of the things that we could have uh, done better to prepare you for college? What are some of the lessons, learns, and best practices that you would offer for, you know, incoming freshmen next year? And I'll tell you, without a doubt, one of the first things that students talk about is they say, I wish I would have learned how to say no. And basically, they say yes to everything. They want to try everything. And the next thing you know, they are so scattered and so overloaded that academics, which they actually are, you know, that's what's their target for going to school, is so far behind. And then they dig themselves, you know, a GPA hole that they have the next three years climbing out of. No, you're absolutely right. And some of the things I think we talk about that they can do is um, like along the lines of buddying up. Like, and it's a great way to break the ice too. Like one of the things I remember is I hated going to the gym in college. I don't know if you had that problem too, but it was, it was a battle. And it literally was an uphill climb because our gym was on a hill. And, <laughs> and I, I just was like, one day I was just like, hey, you know, I talked with someone in my class and we didn't know each other that well, but we were talking and I was like, maybe we'll just be gym buddies. And it was nice because I think, you know, good things happen for your body when you're exercising, but it's even better when you can stay motivated and make a friend in the process too. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the thing. There's exercise alone and then there's exercise with somebody else. And if you need the motivation, having somebody who is part of your, you know, your support team and they're going to say, I'm showing up at seven o'clock in the morning. I'm expecting you there. If you've got that kind of a, a healthy relationship with somebody, um, you can spur yourself on and, and reduce stress in so many different ways, not only the communication, but also the physical activity. And, and that's the thing. I can't even imagine if, if I didn't have physical activity, I, I would be so much, it's, it is my major stress relief. So I encourage that with some students and know that it's a challenge for some students more than others. But it's definitely something that I think everybody as a human being, just having physical activity is a great stress reducer. Yes, and I would say try new things. You never know. Um, I remember one time I got pulled into auditioning for the improv troupe, and it was the scariest, and I had so much anxiety because I, um, I, I fear new situations and new people. And I just remember like being in perpetual panic during this, this exercise for improv. But I have to say, I ended up having so much fun, too. Nope. So I would say go out there, try something new. It's funny you say that. I, I have a student who uh, is at Harvard and she um, is a, uh, she does, you know, poetry. Well, it's, it's basically poetry performance or slam poetry. Mm. And, and it is a physical act. It is not something that, that you know, you're, you're not just basically standing there. It is a physical action that um, basically the performance itself it has to be and and it's amazing how much of a workout something like that can be both emotionally and physically so yeah I, I, I agree with you it, it doesn't have to be the traditional form of going out and for a run 
That's true. Wow, slim poetry. Now that you think about it, that is great because it is physical and emotional. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's something they did well. <laughs> yeah. And even if you don't feel like going out, out, because like I'm an introvert. So even just taking time to like, I used to love just grabbing a bench and just writing. Oh, yeah. I mean, journaling is, is one of those things that uh, we know it helps people process in a lot different way than they are used to. Even if you are a, a um, even if you communicate through talking and that's your, your go-to, when you write things down, it's a very different um, kind of exploration and, and reflection. And it's very different when you write it by hand than when you type it. So those are things that I, I encourage students to, uh, to explore and, and see which ones work best for them. That's a great point. And I would also say in terms of the student, there's usually always a student activity fair on campus. And I would say, you know, give yourself a goal, like go and meet X many people at X many tables and figure out what you like and just put yourself out there. Right. And then that, that's it, it is the action of being brave or courageous. And I, I actually I refer to a, a line from a movie called uh, We Bought a Zoo. And um, Matt Damon says to his son, he says, Sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. And basically, yeah. it's the idea of, you know, you, you have this construct that, that basically you're putting yourself up to be really vulnerable and it's going to fail. But sometimes all you need to do is get in there and be courageous and say hello. And um, I think that's one of the things that's hard to do if you haven't practiced if you end up at college and you haven't practiced it earlier on in life, it's, it's extremely difficult. But if you are practicing it, you know, when you're a young teen, it's so much easier when you get to college and in later in life. No, that's, that's absolutely true. Wow. I love that quote that I have to say though, that movie did not look interesting, <laughs> but, but maybe I'll go, I'll go rent it and I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I steal it for the quote. Yeah, yeah, I actually like the movie. So it, it, it's worth watching. I'll check it out. It's all good. I will try it. So let's talk about some other stuff and, you know, some, you know, other advice or things like that. But how, like, I don't know, have you had students or worked with students that were depressed or had uh, had anxiety in college? Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the things that when we go through um, identifying colleges and, and I think as college, you know, admissions counselors, when we give advice, one of the most important things that we can provide students is kind of what uh, is the culture of the campus like, both academically and socially. And I think that's one of the things when you run into students who have anxiety about, you know, being in, in social uh, social situations and making friends. Um, different colleges uh, have very different cultures on how easy or how difficult that might be. And so if you go to a college with 35,000 people and, and it's extremely competitive and everybody's trying to get into a couple of spots, you know, in a couple of schools within school, um, it's a lot harder if you are an introvert and have social anxiety mm. than if you're at a smaller liberal arts school that has basically a focus on celebrating your uniqueness and, and bringing people into a safe space. So I think, yeah, I definitely um, have had students where they are aware and that they know what they need. And I think that's important. 
That's a great point. I think most of the time it's been students that have come to me that are looking to transfer. And a lot of times it's been because they chose their first college, not based on, like you had said, academic and personal fit. Yeah. And both I know the students and the parents have expressed regret in terms of, you know, had I known, I would have never let them go there, you know, because I think at the end of the day, parents just want their kids to be happy and healthy. Um, above all else, above sending them to an, uh, a brand name school, for example. I couldn't agree more. And that's one of the things we, I think we as counselors, we know how stressful just going to college can be in the first place. But having to change schools after a year just compounds that stress. And I think one of the things that drives us to find those good fits for students is we don't want to set them up that they have to transfer from a school. If we can do that, you know, if they can make the first choice the first time, the right choice the first time, um, it's so much better. Mm. No, that's, that's, that's true. Uh, to get it right the first time. What, what else would you say is, um, I guess, this is a topic that has come up before. Do you, if a student has anxiety and depression in high school, um, should they, should it be mentioned, I guess, on their academic profile? Or should they feel comfortable mentioning it? Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things that when we work with students and, you know, one of the most common essay prompts is, have you faced a challenge? And Mm. what do you do with it? And I think for those students who know themselves well enough that social anxiety, um, depression, those are major issues who define who they are and also their character. And I think that's one of the things I think colleges are very well aware that students, that there is a high percentage of students who are dealing with that already. Uh And I think they're very open to hearing what have you done to not only acknowledge, but how are you setting up those support systems? Do you reach out to others for help? Because if you do already in high school, we know that you're going to be able to practice some of those things in setting up your, your support system once you get to college. And that's going to be part of your success team. No, absolutely. Or I would say you can also mention it in the additional info section. Um, so that if you want, because the thing is, like, I remember uh, talking to someone in admissions and they had said we would actually find it odd because they said, like, you can kind of read through the application and see <laughs> through the lines yep. if there are some people that have faced certain challenges. And they said we would actually find it more uh, concerning if a student didn't bring it up. Absolutely. And hasn't tried to deal with it or cope with it. Um, you know, the, more, the more admissions uh, representatives that you work with, it, it, it's amazing. Those who have done it for a long time, don't you find that they're, they actually have like a spidey sense? It's, it's <laughs> a seventh sense in where they, um, they actually, they're looking for the things that aren't said as much as they are the things that are said. And I think that's one thing. Uh, students think that they're going to pull the wool over somebody's eyes by glossing over something. And I think a good admissions person, they're already, you know, they they already see what's not being said. Absolutely true. And I feel like a lot of times I've had students who are scared to mention certain things because maybe, again, like depending on culture or like social taboos and things like that. But, you know, what I found is admissions usually 
really admires uh, kids who have had to face different challenges. And it's not a pity party or anything like that. But I think it's more so giving you credit for having faced it and come through on the other side with lessons or even stronger than you were before. You are so right. I think that's one of the parts that one, one of the first things when I have students write, you know, an essay response um, to a prompt, I tell them, make sure you answer the whole prompt. And the reason being um, a lot of, a lot of essay prompts are what is the challenge you've experienced? And that's the one that, that uh, students latch onto and they talk about the challenge. But the other part of the prompt is, and how have you come to deal with that? What have you done to over, what, what if, how have you overcome that challenge? And mm -hmm. that part gets kind of glossed over or not even attended to. And that's actually the most important part of the essay. Yes, so what uh, suggestions do you have for kids that are dealing with the stress of college life? Yeah, I mean, one of the, the most important things, uh, learning to do a, a physical and mental self-check on a regular basis. And some of that is just reflection and basically saying, you know, what is my heart rate doing when I get up in the morning? How much sleep am I getting? Am I eating correctly? And that can basically be a checklist. And I know it sounds really kind of ridiculous. Who needs a checklist? <laughs> to find out whether you're healthy and happy. And I think for students who are, you know, basically go, 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 and they have so many commitments, those kind of little things fall by the wayside. And it's basically, am I getting enough sleep? Am I eating correctly? Am I studying too much? Am I studying the right way? Am I, you know, am I sleeping in the most effective way I can possibly? And I think all of those things are, Seems so simple, but um, I, I think those are things that students forget the first. That makes sense. And I'm actually going to take it a step further and say schedule time for, <laughs> for self-care, um, whether it be, you know, because I feel like as a student, I, I would always say like, oh, well, that can wait. That's not as important. We do this as adults, too. Yeah. Um, but, you know eating healthy and checking, have I actually eaten any vegetables or fruit today? Or am I, have I just eaten chicken fingers straight for the past week? Is important to just like schedule in, like eat vegetable, eat an apple, or <laughs> go to bed, um, take a nap, you know, whatever it is, you know, if you have to build it into your schedule, do that because it's also a priority, right? Um, I would say that that's, that's pretty important. And I, that, you know, I am a big proponent of sleep because I developed insomnia in college. So yeah, schedule time for that. And, you know, when you talked about um, the phone and your devices, um, I think most phones have a do not disturb function now. They, they actually have a thing called an off switch. It's not used. <laughs> I, I think that's one thing my wife reminds me of. Yeah, isn't there a thing called an off switch? And that's, it's as funny as that sounds, you actually have the control to turn off your phone. You do. I think that's even better because someone was telling me like, oh, you can set up do not disturb so, so you won't even be checking your phone and the messages won't come through. Yep. And that's a great point. Um, but, you know, an off switch is even better. Off switch is even Well, I have to, I have to uh, give the converse of are you eating healthy? Are you eating enough uh, vegetables? And, and I agree with that. And, but we've also talked about this in previous podcasts. Um, 
comfort food. Um, are mm. you getting, you know, every once in a while, be a little decadent, be a little, you know, go have some ice cream. You know how I feel about ice cream. I and um, I, I think that's one thing that do some of those things that are actually a little bit decadent, that take a little bit of stress off, but also learn the behaviors of when to put the you know, spoon down. Yes, yes. I would say, you know, do not go for that Ben and Jerry's Vermonster all by yourself. <laughs> yeah, oh, that sounds good. Um, one of the other things you asked about uh, that I, I try to tell students, this is a psychological, you know, just reality of being a human being. And it, it appears that there is a, a sweet spot uh, of 21 days to establish any kind of behavior. And that can be a behavior that's bad or good. And basically, if you do something 21 days in a row, on the 22nd day, it's harder not to do it than it was when you started by far. So you can establish, you know, if you, even if it's exercise, and I encourage students, go out for a walk 21 days in a row. On the 22nd day, it's going to be harder for you not to go walk than it will if you, you know, just put your shoes on. That's what we do. And I think that can be done for everything from food to study to all down the line. And like you say, if you schedule it, you have a much better chance of actually doing it. Awesome. Any closing thoughts, Mark? No, I, 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 I think, like you said, this is one of those topics, um, you know, stress and depression and, and anxiety. It's, it's one of the things I don't think we talk about enough with students and setting them up for success early in their high school careers and I think we could do our, our students a big service by helping them practice some of those things and setting up those good behaviors. So by the time they get to college, building this you know, new support system and, and family, like you say, is, uh, is so much easier. I think that's, that's the key thing is to start helping um, your children or students, you yourselves, starting to work on some of these essential skills now so that, you know, it, you know, you're not only stronger in high school, but also in college. And, you know, it's at the end of the day, I would say it's most important to be happy and healthy. And that's what Mark and I wish for you guys. Thanks for listening to the Coast to Coast College Admissions Podcast, where we make getting into college easy and fun. Don't forget to go over to iTunes and subscribe to get updated each week when we release a new episode. Also, for more helpful college admissions information, visit our website at www.c2ccollegepodcast.com. 